okay, we're doing this. All right, this is a thing. We're talking to somebody. Somebody wants to take pills. We don't want this somebody to go forward with said plan. What on earth are we going to do? And so I talked to her. And you have a very fraction, a little fragment, if you will, of godhood that makes up who you are. That little godhood, that little piece of truth and light that is you at your core, that's what gives you personality. That's what gives you a name. Otherwise, we would just be clones of each other and we would all think the same way, act the same way and make the same decisions. But we don't because we are so different because that fragment of godhood, of light and truth, that's at the center of each one of us. That's what sets us apart. So no, you can't leave because you are you and you do provide value. Hi, welcome back to Chats with Chaz. Thanks for tuning in. Come for the stories, stay for the puns. Hello, my dear friends. We have come to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about the plan of salvation in the Preach My Gospel manual. I'm going to share a story of how I helped a friend from committing suicide, and it's a crazy story. It's going to be a very, a very interesting story. And then we're also going to talk about where we came from, why we're here, and where we're going. This is fascinating to know about, but it's also useful information because knowledge applied in the context of where we are facilitates change. I mean, when we know where we're from, then we know what we're worth. We know what we're made of. And I promise you, our self-esteem is going to skyrocket. And when we know why we're here on earth, then we can live on purpose. We live with purpose. We live on purpose because we know why we're here. It's not a mistake. And then when we know where we're going, we can have a positive attitude because we have something to look forward to because we know what happens after death and we can always have a positive attitude about it. So when we have a knowledge of these things and we apply it in our lives, then we can really accelerate change. We know the potential that we can grow into. I absolutely love the plan of salvation and we are going to have a phenomenal time talking about it today. So I want to start by telling a story back in 2017. I was in college, I was living in uh, Provo, and I remember I was in my townhouse one evening and I was staying up late for some dumb reason, probably watching fun videos on YouTube, when I got a call from a random girl on Facebook Messenger. I don't remember who she was, I don't know why I answered it, but I decided to answer it. And she introduced herself to me by saying that she had remembered me from years ago when I was at EFY as a kid. And I don't remember this, but she told me that at an EFY dance, I had come up to her because she was a wallflower and very quiet. And I had invited her to dance. And she had always remembered that and had always admired me for that for years afterward. It was a little weird, but she even said that all of her dating afterward was always compared to the way that I had treated her that night. She was always trying to find somebody that was also respectful, that also reached out, that had very high standards. And she she thought very highly of me. And I was very, very flattered. And I'm like, thank you. And so I said, thank, thank you. What's the occasion for the call? And she said, I... And really, really wanting to finish off this bottle of pills because life has been very hard. And I need to talk to somebody. I can't talk to my parents. I don't trust my bishop. But I always remembered you. And I felt like I should call you. 
And I immediately just like said, okay, we're doing this. All right, this is a thing. We're talking to somebody. Somebody wants to take pills. We don't want this somebody to go forward with said plan. What on earth are we going to do? And so I talked to her. We chatted. We talked. I asked about her life. I asked about her day, kind of a little bit about her situation. And I tried to get her help. I asked about her family situation, if there's anyone she could trust. And she didn't feel comfortable because the situation she was in was familial abuse. And that's rough. So I said, is anybody in the church that can help you? And she said that the bishop sided with the parents, which was so sad. And so she couldn't trust the bishop. And she had no one to talk to. She had pretty much decided that she wanted to finish off a bottle of pills. And she's had this issue before. And so I just kept talking to her and I said, okay, well, before you do, let me just keep talking to you. And I told her about my day. I told her jokes. I made her laugh, just anything. And she was so, so numb. And I know that must have been so hard, but I just kept talking to her on the phone. And I was looking for something to take her mind off of her worthlessness that she didn't feel that there was any use to continue going on. And so that's when I felt prompted by the spirit from God to go back to the plan of salvation. And our conversation went something like this. Friend, what would happen if you did leave this earth life right now? Do you think anyone would miss you? And she said, honestly, I don't think so. I don't think anyone would really miss me at all. And I said, I would seriously doubt that because first of all, I would miss you. I really would. Because you know what? No one could possibly ever replace you. Anyone, the best actress or actor couldn't possibly replicate how you would do you in your life. No one could. Because you know what? You were created from God. You are literally DNA taken off from God. And you have a very fraction, a little fragment, if you will, of godhood that makes up who you are. That little godhood, that little piece of truth and light that is you at your core, that's what gives you personality. That's what gives you a name. Otherwise, we would just be clones of each other and we would all think the same way, act the same way and make the same decisions. But we don't because we are so different because that fragment of godhood, of light and truth, that's at the center of each one of us. That's what sets us apart. So no. You can't leave because you are you and you do provide value. There is a piece of truth that's at the center of you that no one else has. You might have the gift of charity. You might love very easily. You might have the gift of knowledge. You might have the gift of faith that no one else has. And if you leave, no one will ever get to experience that part of light and truth because you do. You radiate. You have light. That night, I talked to her about her divine worth her divine soul and her origin. We talked late into the night. In the end, I talked to her until I was almost falling asleep. And I learned a couple of things about, you know, what city she was in, possibly what street she lived on. And I think I had a pretty good idea of where she was, but I was so tired. I wasn't going to be able to stay up and I needed to go to, to school in the morning. I made her promise me that she was not going to finish off those bottle of pills and that she was going to wait until how she felt tomorrow before making any more decisions. And she said, I don't know if I can, but I will try for you. And I said, thank you. That's all I needed. This is the first time I've ever done this, but in the first time in my life, I then picked up the phone and I called 911 and I told the emergency responders that I have a friend in this city and I think on this street who is seriously considering suicide and I need you to send someone to help her. And they said, okay, they would take care of it. It wasn't until months later that this person reached back out to me and let me know that she finally made the connection that uh, the cop car that showed up that night was directly related to me and that I had saved her life. And she said, thank you 
for sending them to talk to me because I was really, really considering making a big mistake. Since then, she has improved her family situation, her spiritual situation. She's gotten help and she is living a wonderful, fantastic life. And I am so grateful I got to be a part of that to help share the truth of who she is. And that's what I want to talk about right now. Where did we come from? What is this that I'm talking about with like fragments and light and we are DNA of God? Well, I want to share some scriptures with you that kind of explain this. And I talked about this in a previous episode. We can talk about the sciences and things and what we are. And that's also truth. But I like going to why we exist and who created us. And we can only find that in religious text in the scriptures. So I'm not going to be referencing any textbooks. I'm going to be referencing some scriptures. And I hope that you feel that these statements are true because I really do believe they are true as well. Number one, God created intelligences. I'm going to read from a scripture in Abraham. Now the Lord showed unto me, Abraham, the intelligences that were organized before the world was. Now I want to focus on one particular word and that is organized. God didn't actually create people He organized us. In this scripture, he says, And among all these were many of the noble and great ones. And he said unto me, Abraham, thou art one of them. Thou wast chosen before thou wast born. So in this scripture, we identify that God, our heavenly father, organized his children into intelligences. And that's very interesting because I'm going to jump to another scripture. God didn't actually create us. He organized us. God is made of truth. He knows everything and he is perfect. That's a generally accepted statement in a lot of religious communities. And so if he knows everything and if everything existed before the world was, then technically we also existed. And all God did was take truth or light and organized it into personalities or children, which is us. If you imagine God as a sphere of light, like a a sphere of glass, imagine him shattering himself into millions and millions of tiny little fragments And if the glass orb was truth and we have bits and pieces of truth, then guess what? Each one of us is the very embodiment of truth. If God is love and is knowledge and patience, then maybe I am a very small portion of that truth. I may have the gift of faith or I could have the gift of of charity, but each of these are a small fraction of the greater truth, God. If you look within yourself, maybe you feel like at the core of who you are, you have the gift of virtue or maybe the gift of of charity. You love very easily. That's because at your very center, you are made up of God. You are a bit of light and truth. I'm going to jump over to this scripture here in DNC 93, and it says this, the glory of God is intelligence or in other words, light and truth. From here on out, I want you to remember these four things are synonymous. Glory, intelligence, light, and truth. Remember remember how I said that we were organized into intelligences? That means that we are light. We are truth. We are children of truth. That's why we can identify with truth is because we are truth. Not 100%. We are very much a fraction of the whole truth. We're not our own sphere yet. Our objective in life is to grow into our own sphere. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. In DNC 93, it says this, man was also in the beginning with God. Intelligence or the light of truth was not created or made. Neither indeed can be. All truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it. Now, are you understanding? We're talking about us. 
We are independent in that sphere in which God has placed us to act for ourselves as all intelligence also. Otherwise, there is no existence. I hope you're starting to get the, I hope you're starting to get the, I hope you're starting to get the picture here that we have always existed. We were simply organized out of truth. Isn't this fun? I hope I'm not boring you or this is way too crazy, but this is so fun for me to understand that we have a bit of truth in each of us and that no one else could possibly replicate who we are. So when somebody's born into a baby body, their soul is made up of God and they have natural tendencies in some part of Godhood, in some part of, part of truth they just resonate with. That's why when a baby grows up, they tend to be thoughtful or they tend to be very loving or they tend to be very smart. That's because at their very center, they have a bit of truth that just works for them. And that's who they are. If you imagine this little fragment of glass, we just start wrapping layers and layers on top of that fragment. When they are born into a body, they are born into uh, genetics of their previous fathers or mothers, and they are born into a certain nation. They are taught a certain language, and that language builds a structure of thought for them. And all of these things start layering on top of that. And then they are introduced to culture, and then they are introduced to um, different religions. And so all of these things start influencing the child, start influencing the soul. And that's why we start exploring different careers, different interests, different hobbies. But at our very center, we have a bit of truth that just resonates with us, that comes very naturally. And that's what we call spiritual strengths. We naturally are strong in certain areas because we are that fragment of light that makes up our very soul. And I'm going to go into this in a little bit, but our purpose in life is to grow that fragment of light, that tiny little sliver of glass until it grows into its own sphere. Our spiritual weaknesses then become strengths. And this is going to take so long to do. I don't think we can possibly become perfect within a mortal lifetime. But our objective is to take that small fragment of God and grow into our own God and goddess. And that sounds really weird, but believe me, I'm going to explain it a little bit more. And it really opens up the mind when you understand our purpose is to become like our Heavenly Father. Just like any old father who raises a child, he really hopes that that child will grow up to become a successful, self-reliant adult. That is no different for our Heavenly Father. Our biggest takeaway for how we exist in our origin is that God is our Heavenly Father who created us out of Himself because He is all of truth. He is all of light and all intelligence. And He created us, and our objective is to grow into our own as well. That's why I'm going back to the scripture. The glory of God is intelligence, or in other words, light and truth. And in this same section in DNC 93, a little earlier it says, He that keepeth commandments receiveth truth and light until he is glorified in truth and knoweth all things. We can actually grow our own glory by obtaining more knowledge, understanding things, and letting the truths of life distill upon our souls and we grow and our spiritual strengths become even better and our spiritual weaknesses are turned into strengths. So how are we going to do this? This is where we go to earth life, mortality. God has a plan for his children. When he created us, he established a way for us to become like him. Here's how it goes. Let me break it down for you. First, he said, let's create a universe and an earth for all of the children to live on. 
We can't fit them all there at once, so let's give them a lifespan of about 100 years, and then they'll die and more people will come, and that's how we'll do it. We'll do it on Earth. This is a good idea. And then we will test them. We will test them on Earth. We're going to take away their knowledge that they are spiritual children of God, and we're just going to let them think that they are mortal. They have no previous knowledge, and we're going to give them two options. Follow God or not, (laughs) essentially. And if we choose to follow God, then we can actually return back to him and we will, one, receive bodies like our Heavenly Father, and two, we can also continue to become like gods and goddesses like our Heavenly Father as well. Here's the problem, though, is that God is perfect. When we go to earth, we will not be. We will be mortal. We will make mistakes, and that is called sin. When we do something evil or bad or anything that is against truth or God, then we leave God, we ostracize, we distance ourselves from him. And that is called the fall, where we become mortal. Immediately, we will not be able to return to God's presence because we are dirty and he is clean. And so we're really stuck. I mean, we've got bodies and we're totally blind. We don't remember anything. It sounds like a really bad plan. However, there is a saving grace. In fact, it's a savior. God, in the beginning, had the plan to send his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to be the solution to that problem. Jesus said, listen, I will take upon everybody's mistakes. I will wash everybody clean if you obey my my gospel. If you repent and if you are my disciple, I will advocate for all of you for the Father and I will let all of you return back to his presence, even though you've made mistakes. If you promise to follow me, you can return to him. And that was the great solution to the big problem that we would become sinners. So what do we get out of this plan? We get bodies. We have the opportunity to continue to grow our little fragment of light. And we can one day become like God's. We get to choose him in an earth life. And we are also saved from our own mistakes as we go throughout this test of life. How amazing is that? So when we die, we are going to be separated from our bodies and we go to a waiting room. It's called spirit world. And then when the time is right, God is going to reunite all of our bodies to all of our spirits. And then we can become perfected like God. And then we can continue to grow and learn until our sliver of truth grows into its own sphere of light. And we can also become like gods and goddesses. I know that sounds crazy, but there's lots of scriptures that we can't get into right now that breaks down the plan of salvation according to what I just said. And if you'd like to study this on your own, guess what I'm going to refer to? Yes, you're right. The Preach My Gospel manual has amazing references that explain the plan of salvation in detail, and it's all surrounding the solution, our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, logically, this sounds like a really good plan. I just wish it was real because, Chaz, you've been talking a lot about abstract things, you know, like light and truth and and intelligences. And you're saying that my grandma who passed away that is no longer moving, you're saying that somehow her body is going to then become better and then her spirit is going to come back? Yes, I am saying that. I don't know how. I've never been to the other side. This is the part where you have to pray And ask God himself if these things are true. And you will know for yourself that these things really are true. 
And I have to believe these things because can you imagine that when you die, you will be reunited with your family. You will have perfect bodies again. You will have an opportunity to continue to learn and become perfect and to make your weaknesses into strengths. How exciting is that? Is that not the most hopeful thing ever? Now, that's the last thing that I want to bring up is in the final part of God's plan of salvation, he has heaven. Now, you've probably heard of heaven. A lot of your religious friends have talked about heaven. And in fact, a lot of uh, religions have different aspects and different views of what heaven is going to be like. And in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we got revelation through Joseph Smith on what heaven is going to be like um, based on our doctrine. And in Doctrine and Covenants, it talks about heaven being separated into different degrees of glory. Now, I won't get too much into detail about it, but there's three different degrees um, of righteousness. Some people are super righteous, some people are not as righteous, and some people just don't care and they never wanted to be a part of any religion. So they're just going to not follow normal rules. They're not going to follow any sort of um, social contracts. So they murder and they steal and they, they take what they want. But Heavenly Father loves all of his children. So you know what? He provided a place where everyone can be comfortable with their own squad of peeps. Let me break it down for you. We hang out where we are most comfortable and where we are happy. If you imagine heaven as a street, you're going to see uh, Moses and and Noah and Peter, James, John. They've all got these nice condos kind of like lined up and they have barbecues. And you know what? End of the cul-de-sac right in the middle. You know who's there? Jesus. That's right. They all party it up. They are super righteous. They love God. They put them first. They developed their, their truth and their spiritual strength so that they can be as close to God as possible. And they love hanging out there. But what if I'm like kind of uncomfortable, you know, with, I mean, all they do is just laugh and talk and, you know, no one ever like plays video games or maybe smokes cigarettes, you know, or I don't know. I don't want to be judgy, but what if you feel uncomfortable for any reason at all with that particular group of people? Are you going to stay there and stick it out? That doesn't sound very fun. I mean, it sounds kind of uncomfortable. Would you rather go and hang out with people that you're more comfortable with? Maybe you like to go see different kind of movies. Maybe you like to go listen to different kind of music. Maybe you like to do other kind of pastimes that maybe Jesus or the apostles, they probably wouldn't do. You're going to go down the street and be with your homies. You're going to be doing what you love to do. It might not necessarily be in the same sphere or the circle of uh, apostles or prophets or, you know, super religious people, but you're going to be happy. That's what God's talking about. You have degrees of the sun, the moon, and the stars. Some people are going to want to be close to God. They're going to make promises with him or covenants. They're going to do their very best to keep his commandments, say no to certain things, say yes to other things, and they're going to feel comfortable there. Other people are going to want to identify truth, be the best they can, but they don't want to really have the commitment to make promises with God or they don't want to say no to certain things. So they won't. They're going to say yes to what they want and they'll feel more comfortable there. And for those that don't want to follow any social contracts, they are selfish. They want what they want. They're going to kill whoever they want. They let hatred drive them. Guess what? They're not actually going to hell. They're not. God loves them too. He loves the sinner. He loves the worst people in the world. And so he has prepared a place for them as well where they can feel comfortable with each other. And that's what's taught in the Doctrine and Covenants in our church. 
And that's what we believe heaven is going to be like. If we choose to follow the commandments and if we choose to make promises with God, we have the hope to look forward to living together as families forever with perfect bodies. And we can rub shoulders with Jesus himself, with our dear heavenly father. And we get to be with them all the time. In order to do that, all we have to do is keep his commandments and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now you have to understand the scriptures say that we are all saved. That means that none of us are going to hell. We are all going to heaven. But what part of the neighborhood do you feel comfortable in? And that is what is determined during this life. So the big takeaways for the plan of salvation, and and that's basically it, ladies and gentlemen, that is the plan of salvation. We were organized. We came to this earth to be tried, to choose God. And if we do, then we get to be with families forever in the afterlife with perfect bodies. And the big takeaway for all of this, this is, this is the reason why I'm so stoked about knowing this stuff is that when I understand the context of why I exist, now I can do something about it. Now I can choose to live a life that can have the end result of me being the best person I can be with the most amount of truth. I can be uh, a, a greater intelligence or I can obtain more truth. More truth can be distilled upon my soul by the end of this life. And I love that idea. To understand everything is the greatest joy. There's only one thing that's better than that. When your kids understand truth. Now that's joy. And I love that. That gives me purpose in life. I have one life to live and I want to become the greatest me that I can be. I want to be St. Chaz, as I talked about in a previous episode. I am so grateful when I understand this plan that we came here. We are sinners. We make mistakes. We feel guilty. But guess what? We have a solution. That's Jesus Christ. He chose to take upon himself all of my guilt, all of my mistakes, willingly because he loves me. And all I have to do in order to feel forgiven is to say I'm sorry and to try to be like Jesus in all I do and say, to keep his commandments, to listen to his spirit. And I will feel forgiven and I will be saved. I will be able to be in the presence of the perfect all-knowing God because I have an advocate, because I have a savior who washed me clean. I am so grateful. And I love that we are made of God. We are made of truth. We're not just an accident. We are not just a coincidence that, oh, boom, suddenly there are humans that were made out of primates. Maybe that's how we were created, but it's more than that. I love why we are created and of what substance. Our soul is created out of truth, intelligence, or light. My friends, we are made of light. We are children of light. And our Heavenly Father wants us to grow that light to develop our our glory so that we can also one day know all things and become that orb of glass like I talked about where all of our strengths are perfect. We've developed all of the Christ-like attributes, which I'll talk about in later chapters in the Preach My Gospel manual, where we are perfect in love, perfect in patience, perfect in knowledge. It might not be able to be accomplished in this lifetime, but... We will accomplish it eventually, and we will become gods and goddesses. We will organize our own children, and we will continue this cycle forever and ever. And now we're bumping up against the veil a little bit, because now that we've kind of understood, you know, all things exist spiritually, and there's truth, and there's light, 
when did this start? Like what's the big bang of God or what came before God? I haven't the faintest idea. And I can feel my, my, my soul bumping up against the veil of forgetfulness. That's not allowing me to possibly understand what came before even that our, our minds doesn't, don't really understand the concept of before eternity. (laughs) So I don't know the solution to that. I don't know the answer to that, but luckily that's not going to be on this particular test. I can study that later. I hope you enjoyed tuning in today. This has been very spiritual, very religious, but I still feel like it is very useful information because like I said at the beginning, knowledge applied in the context of where we are facilitates change. It empowers change. It enables us to change in better ways because we understand context. Maybe that's the biggest thing about the plan of salvation. Simply put in one single word, context. We know why we're here. We know what we are made of. We know where we're going. Context. And that is the best way to know what matters. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This has been a wonderful discussion of me talking. (laughs) But if you have any questions or would like for me to speak on any certain subject, please message me and I would be happy to talk about it. I hope you have a fantastic day.